Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo, not Michael. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's funny. Yes, I am. Um, Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael and Jackie Russo. Michael, I loved this conversation with Becky Lawler. You know, she's the founder and the chief research and content officer at Redpoint, which is a boutique original research and content marketing agency. And her insights around research companies that should be doing it, how they should do it, what happens when they don't do it right. I, I just thought it was fascinating. It was. I, you know, and look, I, as a, on the creative side of things, I love research. I love getting research. It helps me do, do my though? job. Do you? Uh, oh no, I love it. I just don't like the process of it because oh. it is it is daunting sometimes. It really takes a skill level of patience and understanding and um to really kind of weed through that and find the answers. Cause the answers, I believe the answers are always out there. Um, but you have to dig around, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's just a matter of um, turning over stones and there's, you know, there's more structured uh, research out there and things like that, but, but just everyday stuff, get online. I love when people come to me with questions, even at the office and they're like, Hey, how do I do this? I'm like, go look it up because that's what I'm going to do. I mean, we have this thing called the internet and it tells you all these things, you know, I mean, I, I just don't know why. Is this why... an introduction or Michael's rant on research? Well, I just, I don't know. I just, yeah. Okay. Anyway. I'm bringing it back. So to our listeners, assuming we still have some, I think that you're really going to enjoy Becky's insights. You know, she's worked for some pretty big companies, Adobe, IBM, Samsung, Zapier. uh, And the way that she approaches research, I think her uh, methodologies, her experience, I I just think it's fascinating. And I think if you like research, unlike Mr. Russo, um, and or you like the movie Cocktail, this is the podcast for you. Welcome, Becky. Hello, I'm excited to be here. We are so glad to have you. Um, We're excited because we love research. We love digging in and really seeing it from another person's perspective. And that kind of get the impression that that's your jam. That is my jam. I love research as well. (laughs) Awesome. That means I read the right bio for today. Which, you know, isn't always the case. So yay us. Um, So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into research and sort of what your um, approach is that makes the way you do it unique. Yeah. So I actually come from the um, content creation side of content uh, marketing and branding. um, And I was working as a freelancer in the B2B tech space for, um, I've been over a decade, but as part of that, I, I started getting exposed to, um, you know, companies that were doing their own um, original research, going out and surveying um, audiences, and then being asked to write the content based up, upon that data. And I just sort of fell in love with that aspect of the content creation, in part because if you um, are writing in the same space and you're writing a lot of kind of similar overlapping topics and, and stuff, what you find is your challenge is like, oh gosh, how do I make this different from the last one? How is this one interesting? 
I'm sick of hearing about all of this, or I'm trying to find a new stat. <laughs> so from that perspective, I just sort of was like, wow, this is so much, you know, this is new. This is always going to be new information. I love that. you know. And, um, and then I also started really seeing how it performed out in the world. And um, I just felt like it also just had such a strong performance um, that I could kind of track in a way that I couldn't with a lot of the other content, um, even if it was thought leadership content. And then, you know, since you, since you are all about branding, I think one of the great things about research is just the the brand awareness that it can drive um, more so than a lot of other types of content. So that's what kind of triggered me to get more interested in it. And then I um, spent time with a mentorship, a one-on-one mentorship, really learning the ropes of how to do end-to-end um survey-based original research, as well as also, um, because that's my main focus, but I'm also open to other types of just like, you know, sometimes there's internal data that can be analyzed in a unique way and results in original research, or you can't even use third-party data, but um, brought in-house to kind of analyze it and push it back out as as original research because you're looking at it from a a new lens. So, um, So working in any kind of way with with data, um, whether I'm helping collect that data through a survey or some other way that we're looking at the data. Um, and so having done that, I eventually launched Redpoint, which is um, an original research and content marketing agency. And I think what really makes this difference is, is that I do have that content marketing, content creation background. And so when I'm working with clients, the real focus is on um, the research piece to support kind of the marketing goals like brand awareness, building authority, um, lead generation. Um, and what I've seen is a lot of times there might be agencies out there that offer these services that are really research focuses. And so they miss the mark on how to design the survey in a way that's going to generate interesting headlines and interesting content, or they're a content agency, but they don't really have the research shop. So they kind of drop some balls on the research end. And so I feel like one of the things that I've really been able to do for clients is kind of marry those two and really do a good job at that data plus the storytelling. Um, And I've seen from several of my clients that when they've moved to working with me, they've seen um, really strong results that they weren't seeing when when other vendors didn't have that dual kind of um, expertise. Yeah, we've, um, you know, research has always been a kind of a backbone for for our process um, uh, over the years. And one of the things that I don't know how to best describe this, but the, the challenges of having too much data, you know, because, um, you know, it's it's so important to, like I said, our process, we, we really kind of bank on that, but we're not a research firm by any means. Um, we do, we focus a lot on, um, on the psychographic profiling and really kind of getting to know you know, behavioral aspects and a lot of, you know, one-on-one talks and conversations with uh, with clients and their customers and things like that. But at, there's a point where you start, usually things end up in my desk as a creative director. I, I get all the information comes to me and I'm like, okay, now I have to sort through all this stuff. And in today's world, it's so accessible and it's so available. I mean, with social media stats and data and this and that, and how's engagement and how do you process all that? I mean, you know, does it does it get to be cumbersome in your world? Because I'm sure it is for for everybody else. Yeah, it can be. I think the important thing um, is is right. You have to do this right at the beginning. You really need to define what your goals are with the research, 
um, both in terms of like what your outcomes are, um, you know, for you guys, when you're doing research, um, you know, as you're looking to kind of like design a brand, you have very specific goals around, you know, what you want to learn um, in order to be able to do that well. Um, for me on a content and, you know, I want to understand both what their goals are in terms of like, is the most important thing to build authority in their industry? Is it to create that media mentions and brand awareness? Is it, you know, sometimes it could even be organic um, search and backlinks. So once you have first, like kind of what your um, key performance indicators are, then you also need to, um, in that first step, define again, what would make, you know, um, and, and I do this, I will ask clients kind of, you know, in your dream world, what would come out of this that would, you know, what are like three to five things and be kind of crystal clear on what those three to five things are you really want so that when you get all of this data back, you don't sort of lose that initial focus. Um, I mean, there's also, you don't want to lose the opportunities with, with all the data you get back, but I think that helps you keep that first focus and be able to kind of sort through the data more efficiently for what you said you wanted and what your goals were. Um, and you can kind of set the other pieces aside and say, well, this is interesting, but this is a side topic or something. So to get this project done with these goals, this is the data that I'm going to move forward with. When you start thinking about the collection of data, do you focus on quantitative, qualitative? Are you looking for hard facts and figures? Are you having conversations? What's that top of that? And I, I think of it as a, a funnel because I don't have a better way to think about it. But what's the top of that where you're pulling in all of these different inputs? What's the array? Yeah, I think, again, I'm I'm probably going to sound like a broken uh, <laughs> record here because I, I think it's so much of it goes back to that, again, establishing what your um, goals are um, will help you determine, should this be qualitative research? Am I, you know, is the best way to get this data to interview, you know, 10, you know, folks that are very in this niche and I can get very detailed responses or is the best um you know, way to, to, to meet my goals to um, do quantitative and survey-based research where I can reach a lot larger population. I'm not going to get those in-depth answers, but I'm going to be able to take a better pulse of, you know, trends out there and um, behaviors and things on a higher level, but at a broader surface. So once you understand your goals, then you can determine which one you want to use. And sometimes it is a mix. Sometimes you want to do the quant... And typically I found if it's a mix, you want to go quantitative first, get kind of that high level pulse. And then when you go out and do your qualitative, you can actually ask them to kind of respond maybe to some of the quantitative insights that you you got um, that you maybe were found surprising or don't, you know, kind of want their pulse on as, as well. So I guess and I'm going to I'm going to dig in a little further and I'll give you a for example, because maybe that'll help. So let's say you've got a, a B2B company in the Midwest. Uh, they're kind of plateauing and uh, they've been around 30, 40 years and they're realizing that the their audience has kind of grown past them. And so they really need to get a handle on what their um, new target audience should be and what they're thinking and go. Yeah, I think I would actually start with a quantitative in that case and you may do it differently but i would say first you want to know like your audience has outgrown you so first you need to figure out 
who is your audience a little it, bit. Yes. So I don't think to go in the qualitative route makes sense until you kind of know who that audience is. So what you right. need to do is reach a larger, um, you know, slew of folks who you can give some demographics around who you think your audience is, but maybe include a few people that might surprise you or your audience. And then ask some questions that help you narrow down how their challenges and pain points actually align with what you offer. Um, now you've kind of, because you, they essentially need to redefine their audience in, in that case, in, in my opinion. And so then once you've redefined your audience, if you want to dig in deeper, that would be the time then to go out and do the qualitative so you can understand at an even deeper level um, how how you could impact um, that, that audience. Do you think this is a time where, um, I know we've seen this, um, and again, we're not uh, heavy, heavy, we don't as far as like pulling data and resources, things like that. But in our in our questions and our surveys, we always find a point where the answers start to line up. And usually it's like a certain point in where, okay, we can keep going, but we know it's going to all start sounding the same. Do you find the same thing happening and or or is that just kind of way it works out no, sometimes? I mean, there is certainly an, and actually I read um, this one book, I think it was called, um, what was it called? Shoot, I can't remember the name. I'll have to come back. Anyway, it's about it, it's written by a data analyst about data, and he actually says it can be as small as five. If you skip five answers that are the same, you sort of have a trend, and you will likely continue to just see that expand, even if you went to like, you know, five thousand. So, um, oh, I think it's called Measure Anything is what I think the title is. Um, so yes, that's definitely, and I think, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, how large does your sample need to be, um, oftentimes, especially if you're really targeting like a niche, like say a B2B audience, it actually doesn't need to be that big to really get kind of a sense of what the trend is that that you're seeing. Yeah, because I mean, that's the first thing our clients ask is usually generally right in the middle of the meeting is how many people did you talk to? How many that's I mean, they, they want to know the, the full scope of it. And sometimes it's it's like, a, you know, if you want to have this huge number, well, we talked to, you know, thousands of people. But again, we found the answer pretty quickly sometimes and we knew it and it, it's like, OK, this is it. And, you know, you kind of have a gut for it and you know that that's where it's trending and you kind of stick with that and ride it. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I've seen that as well. And I don't think, you know, if you've seen it over and over in 100, if you go to 5000, it's it's unlikely to change what you just found. Right. <laughs> but it will take a lot longer time and cost a lot more money. So. Right. <laughs> but hey, if you want to spend the money, we'll gladly accept it and go have the same conversation 4,995 more times. Yeah. And and in my case, you know, a lot of times if, it's, if the goal is kind of that brand awareness through media mentions, there are some kind of like standards. And I think, you know, for consumer audiences, which are easier and cheaper to reach, you do typically have to survey 500,000, you know, to kind of meet that, I guess, journalistic standard. But um, for a a niche B2B professional audience, um, especially if you're trying to reach like top level executives and things like that, it really can be as low as like a hundred, um, even in a survey based. And if you're doing qualitative, sometimes five to 10 is, is actually enough. So, right. right. Speaking of that, I have a question, um, thoughts on account-based marketing and how that works with with research and data and and pulling that together because at, at that point you really are high level looking for certain clients right and certain um 
audiences. And you say, you know, I'm I'm really going to focus in on this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tailor make my uh, tailor make my marketing to reach a certain audience. Like I I want this client, you know, I want whatever that is. Does it get? How do you stay out of the weeds with that? And how do you simplify the process to get to the answer? Well, um, the way that that I do that, and and also keep it cost effective, so they can use data for you know six different ABM profiles that they have, right? Mm-hmm. Is by asking the right demographic questions um, that can help you kind of bucket those personas. And then you can go back, whether that's like industry questions, um, maybe revenue questions, whatever those questions are, jobs to be done type questions, whatever it is that makes you know up their kind of persona for that um, individual company or that little bucket of companies then you can do a larger kind of survey and then bucket it out. So they, so you could just slice the data by each of those things um, looking to see, okay, how did everybody in the manufacturing respond to these questions versus how folks in um, retail responded because we want to be able to, you know, create targeted content for each of these verticals. Or like I said, you can even go more granular than that. Um, and then again, look at how they're responding based on those on those um, demographics that you have tied to the questions. I just need to pause for a minute and acknowledge that Michael used lingo. He is adamantly opposed to it, can never get the letters into the right order. And so the fact that he used account-based management and even called it ABM, I just want it noted for the record. Good job, Mike. <laughs> Did you see my eyes vert to my other screen? Oh, is that was what just... it was? Okay. <laughs> okay, that makes so much more sense. I was I like, was like he had this dialed up, loaded, ready to go? Where did that come from? Okay. I was God, you called no, me. No, I was thinking the same thing when I said it. I'm like, she's well, so going to call me out on this. Well, it just, it's so not your usual vibe. And I'm here for it, though. Thank you. It's Say not. more. Say well, more. And it's the reason why it just came up recently. Uh, one of our brand developers brought it to me. It's just like, hey, they, you know, we're going to use this for a client. And, and I know what it means. I just don't call it that per se. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're gonna be more targeted. We're gonna really be direct, and we're gonna kind of sniper up, not not shotgun approach, you know, and really handpick our our audiences that we're gonna go for. And I just hadn't heard that terminology, and it sounds really cool. So I was reading about it just now when we got on the call, and um, I wanted to sound smart. So yes, you caught me. Well, you did until I called you out. So now I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, That's in the creative fine. land, y'all don't usually use the lingo. So I'm just. I'm applauding you for doing some research and working it into a conversation. Good job. I appreciate it. Thank you. Like your word of the day. Sorry, Becky, you were given a really great answer and I diverted us from the topic at hand just to acknowledge Michael's use properly of the lingo. Um, when you think about all the different research tools at your disposal, um, are you partial to surveys, focus groups, conversations? What makes your heart happy? Oh, did we lose Becky? Was she so annoyed by my ABM comment? She's like, I'm pretending to be frozen because I don't want to have to participate in this conversation a minute longer. That would be funny if like the clock moved in the back or something. <laughs> that would be the best. Yes. So <laughs> so listeners, you probably can't see it uh, because you can't, but there's a clock behind her. So when she froze, Michael and I were like, wait, if the clock ticks, then we know she's pretending <laughs> to be frozen, not actually frozen. But you're back. Oh, you're muted, but you are back. Yeah. Now you're back and about to be unmuted. I can feel it. There we go. I didn't, sorry, I didn't realize I had mute on. I was going to say, the clock, it's a fake background, so the clock never ticks. So oh, I'm going to help you. <laughs> okay, because then that would have been really cool if it had ticked. That would have been awesome. Okay. 
So I was asking about your your favorite, like which of your research methodologies do you really just love and feel like, oh, this is it. This is the secret sauce. I really do love um, quantitative uh, survey-based research. I just find it fascinating to see at a large level how people tick, um, you know, what challenges they think they have or um, behaviors, attitudes, feelings. And I just feel like, um, and I'm attracted to it as a, as an audience, like whenever there's whatever kind of content I'm reading, whether it's the New York times or the economist, or I'm just out reading B2B, you know, content, I like, I'm always drawn to when there's like data, like a survey based research report. I'm always curious, kind of, I guess, what the mass trends are. Right. <laughs> Well, I love that. And more than that, even the interview process, I think whenever you're able to talk to people and, and really kind of get them to talk and we have a, um, a small research team here and they do a really, really good job of, I'm always surprised because we get back these answers. And I'm like, I mean, they're just like, you open the door and some people just, they can't wait to be, have an audience. They can't wait to have the microphone. They want to be heard. And, and somehow if you position it right and you give them an opportunity to talk, they're going to share everything. Like you can ask one question, all of a sudden they start answering the questions before you can ask them. They're just full of knowledge. And I love that that experience when you get more than you bargained for, you get more than you wanted. And sometimes good, sometimes bad, but you get it. And then you have a lot to work with, you know? Yeah. And to the um, qualitative one, to your point, um, I, I do love when it's something totally unexpected and you didn't even know to ask them about it, but it it came up and it just take you took you down a whole new path. But it's such an interesting path and um, kind of changes the whole dynamics of from where you started to where you ended. Absolutely, and I, I love that. I, I think it it just opens so many doorways. And um, but you have to have those kind of questions, and like you you won't always get it if you don't, you know. And and you can't talk to everybody, but it's important that you at least talk to the, the high level people, people that are engaged, um, your, your team members, your employees, all that. I think that all goes into finding the answer. And I think that's what our job always is, is figuring out a problem. What's the problem? We got to find out what the problem is and then find the answer. And the answers are there. You just got to dig, you know, you got to, got to do the work. Absolutely. Becky, do you ever find that when you, um, when you've put together like the perfect survey, like you just, you nailed it, you're not leading them too much, but you're giving them space to give their real opinions. You're not gonna have the opportunity to have conversations. So the survey is going to be it. And then you don't get the response quantity that you were hoping for, expecting, needing, whatever. What do you do? How do you circle back and get people to pay attention? Well, um, I think there's a couple of ways to approach it. I mean, a lot of the ones that I do, I do work with, um, panel companies or vendors. So we, so I will, that have these um, specific professional audiences and they do typically, um, you know, we go out and they will tell you what their feasibility is. Like, yes, we can get 500 of these or no, we can only get 200 of these. So, and they typically guarantee it. So in that case, you're kind of going in expecting to get, you know, what they've promised. And I haven't had an, I, I have heard of people having that not happen and not deliver, but um, from my experience, I, I haven't had that happen, but I have had email based kind of surveys. That's a lot more challenging because you don't know going in how well they're going to respond. And I think one thing that people don't anticipate is that the response is typically way lower than people expect, even in an engaged email list. Um, I think the average is around one to two percent. Um, you might get more than that if you have a super engaged email list or if the topic is something that really your audience and your email list cares strongly about and wants to respond to. But for your kind of basic survey, um, it can be challenging. So you need to kind of, you know, before I even 
do that, I, you know, I kind of set that expectation. Like if we only get one to 2% responses, is that going to be enough to make this worth it? Is an email survey the right avenue to do this? Um, so, so that's kind of setting that expectation right at the get go. Like, look, it's great if we got 5% response, then we're like way over what we need, but let's start with, you know, this kind of lower. And, and the other thing I'll see there is also understanding the quality of somebody's email list, because somebody just went out and purchased an email list and tells me, Oh, we, I have an email list of 10,000. Um, it has happened. Like I didn't know one client purchased their list and, you know, we saw 60 responses out of 10,000, you know, Ouch. but what, but once I found, you know, but then that's like, of course <laughs> the list isn't even yours. They don't even know who you are. Why would they, you know? <laughs> um, so I think that's where, you know, and then if that happens in that case, then, you know, I said, well, we can still do, we can infill with a panel. We can go out and, you know, then pay for those um, responses to kind of get a complete number that gets us to where we need to be. What, um, I know, I mean, I'm looking at your client list and it's impressive. Adobe, IBM, Samsung, Bonnage, I mean, really big players. What, if you aren't one of those, how do you, how would you give advice or recommend people that can still incorporate that process? You know, let's say you're a regional, regional company and, um, you're, you know, you're not national, but maybe you're in a couple of states and you're just, you're, you know, you're kind of dabbling with the idea of growing and I'm going to invest in this, right? Cause you have to invest in this. This is, this is not a, a free process. You have to invest in the right. time and the research and the talent for that. Uh, what's, what's the steps in that? How do they, how can you jump into this baby steps? You know, if you haven't done it before. Yeah. And I do, um, you know, I do content and research. So the big list, of my clients, not all of them do research. Some of them do content. So um, I do work with a lot of smaller companies that have done research. Um, and I think there's a couple of things you can, you know, you can try to do this yourself. Um, but I recommend that you get some mentorship or pay for some sort of kind of training before you do it. Don't just like go in blindly because you probably won't get it right. You'll miss. Um, and, and if you were to invest in any part um, with expertise, I would say what people overlook most is the survey design. They think, oh, I can just, you know, rip up a, a survey that simple. I know how to write a survey. But actually, that is the, the biggest and most important piece of all this. If you don't get the survey right, then you're not going to get the data right. Either the quality could be poor because of how you wrote the survey, or you could just come out with like, um, data that doesn't kind of it's not interesting just because of the way the survey was written um it doesn't link up so if if you don't have the budget to say hire you know a vendor at all and you want to do it in-house find some training if you get one if there's only one piece you have an expert way on way in on have it be that survey um, piece before you send it out would be my advice but there is also i think you know there's all levels like there is the the Gartner and Forrester research that's going to cost you, you know, 100K plus. And then there are um, smaller agencies that, you know, increasingly go down the ladder. And you can get you can do this for a budget of 20, 25,000, a survey based one um, if you if you find the right vendor. Tell me if you can, and obviously you can protect the names of the guilty, um, a time when you had to share some research findings that um, maybe didn't put the client in the best of lights and therefore they did not 
believe, like, want to hear, kind of put their fingers in their ears and went, no, 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 while you were talking, uh, whatever the results were. Do you have one of those kind of like horror stories? Or, or get angry and tell you and take it out on you. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> believe that you're, you're just conveying information, but all of a sudden you're like, you know, don't don't kill the bear bad news, you know? The messenger, Michael, they say, don't kill the messenger. Yeah, um, I'm going to give you one. It wasn't actually, I didn't do the the survey, but I had a content, like I said, I have content clients, I have research clients, and I had a content client that came to me and said, hey, somebody else in my organization ran the survey. I'm responsible for the PR and the marketing messaging of it, but I don't even understand it. It's like in an Excel spreadsheet. Can you like take it and, you know, get it down to like what it all means and what the messaging is? And I went and I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, like one Everybody, you know, they, everybody like said, we're doing like, it was a maturity model thing. And of course they wanted people to be low maturity so that they could say like, if you do this, you'll be high maturity. Right. <laughs> um, everybody had marked, I'm like, you know, out of a scale of one to five, I'm a four or five. Um, and part of the, you know, part of the problem is like the survey was just written in a way. And I don't think the qualifying questions were good. And um, so I had to go back to this person who has to report to their CMO and say, you know what, I'm actually not going to take this project on. I'm not going to like charge you and do a deeper data analysis because I can tell you right now, there is no story here you want to go to market with. <laughs> um, you know, like there is nothing, one, there's not really much interesting to say. And if you said what the results are, really what you're saying is everybody says they're already doing okie dokie and they don't need any help. And I even looked like they had one question about, you know, different technologies and one of them was their technology. And I'm like, there's not even any variance there, whether they're using your technology or a different technology. Like I can't even pull that story out for you and say like, oh, look, those that were using your technology are at a four or five and we see more at a level three that aren't. So um, I know it put her in a tough spot to have to go back um, and kind of say like, I know we spent all this money on this, but I don't know what to do with it. And I haven't, this was just recent. So it's kind of top of mind. And so I don't know what they're are going to do with it. And they were using, I don't know all the ins and outs. It was a partnership relationship too. So I think that complicated things and, they are in a tough spot. <laughs> yeah. Which kind of goes tough. back it, to that, like you got to get it right, right from the beginning and how you design that survey, you know, and I kind of walked her through some of the errors I saw in the survey. It's too late now, but if you had done this and this and this, you might have a different outcome here. Right. Are there some errors that you see people making over and over again? Um, I, again, I, I, I feel a little bit like Harvard. The biggest error I really see over and over again is people not, um, thinking that the survey design is that important, that that anybody can write one, that um, if you just, you know, put some questions together, that it will all work out. Because what happens is when it's not paired with a, a strong strategy and it's not paired with like, you know, really thinking about your goals and and um, you either just kind of get disconnected data points, everybody on, you know, you get this kind of all these cooks in the kitchen and everybody wants to know this. And so you've got all these data points that don't tell a story because everybody has one piece they wanted to know, but they don't really link up. Um, or you get just kind of, again, um, the way the questions were asked, just doesn't, you know, people don't respond in depth enough to give you um, enough of a handle. Like, like I said that, you know, I see a lot of like rating questions one to five. Often it's better to not ask one to five, but to give them like, you know, are you at, or do you do this, 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 or this? 
and you apply the model of maturity, which each of those would mean. So you're asking them to go a level deeper than just like one to five. Which is going to give you much better insights. Yes. Yes. And so it's kind of a lazy man's way to like this whole survey that I was talking about was like, you know, 20 questions of on a scale of one to five, do you do, how are you, how are you at this? How are you at this? And so they got nothing from that. Right. <laughs> so. Right. I find too, yeah. there's, there's also, I mean, and we'll get a client that comes in and we find they dump out all the research that they have and from the first consultant, and then they have the one from last year's consultant and they have the one from three years ago's consultant and they've done anything with it. They just keep compiling things, compiling things. Is that just analysis by paralysis? You know, they, they can't, they don't know what to do with it and they just keep getting, trying to get more answers. And is that a personality trait or does that ever happen with you? Um, I have seen it where they haven't, I mean, a lot of times what happens is there's like organizational shifts or something where the person responsible moves on, it, it kind of gets dropped and um, which I think is always a pity. they've invested all this time and money and then it never saw the light of day in whatever form they were trying to, to use it. Um, but it could also be, you know, I, again, it, that goes back to like, if they don't have, a, if you don't have a really clear reason why you're doing this and how you're going to use it. If you know why you're doing it and how you're going to use it, then the, the execution step should already be in there and it should get executed on. Right. <laughs> it, it's hard. I think there's, um, and again, we, we, we have a thing called razor branding. It's our, our, our internal process that we do. It takes six to eight weeks to develop. It's got a lot of research and development and we, we kind of cover um, excuse everything. Me, pause for the cause. In your entire 23-year history in this company, you have never done one in six to eight weeks. It's three to four months. I love that, like, you're sounding all cool, like, oh, yeah, we kicked this out so fast. Please. That's what it feels like. It feels like that. That's because you only work on it at the very last minute when we're all in a panic because okay. we've been working on it for months. Then I get it. My part is six to eight weeks. Anyway, <laughs> they, um, but, you know, so we, we compile this information, we present it back. And I think there's like a moment when we're done presenting, it takes about an hour, two hours to get through everything, sometimes two days and we'll come back and we'll finish it. And then there's like, you know, they always love the creative part because that's, that's the fun part, right? Oh, it's pictures. And then we get into the data part and it's like, okay, it's a little bit of a grind, but they're excited about it. And then when they're done, there's like a moment of what did we ask for? And we actually got a lot of stuff now. What do we do with it? That, I think that's such a hard thing for people is to kind of get what you asked for. And now you have to actually go process all this information and uh, assess it and put it in the right places and execute it and all, all those things that come with it. Do you, I mean, I guess to your specific scenario, like then I would sort of offer like an execution piece along with it, like so that you don't just stop there so that you give them an opportunity to execute with it by you, by saying, Oh yeah, no, no, we, hey, we definitely do that. He's only talking about his part, which is par for the course. Oh, it only takes a day. Oh, it's just this thing at the end. Like, no, man, <laughs> we've been doing stuff. Yeah. No, there's a whole implementation part there that is. we step oh, up oh, and manage. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely want to hang on. We want to be, we want to help them execute all those things. I'm just saying it's that moment of like shock. Like what do we, what is it? How is this going to affect us and our time and our, because it, it's going to require them to make changes. It's going to require them to actually do something differently than they've done before. And there's an uncomfortableness with that, I think, you know, of that change. Yeah. And I think the other piece is, I don't know if you see this, sometimes people say like, oh, we just need the data and then we'll implement it. And that's where, that's where it falls because then they do, like you said, they get the data, they get overwhelmed and then the implementation doesn't happen. That makes so me cry. Yeah. I just, that's I, I, that's I where, you know, you just try to really like, 
I'm not selling this for myself. I'm selling this really so that you don't waste the investment that you just put in because I've seen too often that the implementation is actually where it falls apart. <laughs> exactly. No, know? it's 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 heartbreaking um, when you when you because like there's so much potential there and you see it because you did it. You know where it's going. And when there's like, and I think they they may see it too, but they just feel like it's a lot of work or yeah. it's a lot of investment or it's a lot of you know like you have because you have when you start getting all the answers you have to answer there's more questions right i mean you have all these <laughs> answers and now it's like okay what do i do with all this and how do i afford it and where do i need to spend it and where do i need to go with it and even if you're hand holding them holding their hands the entire way through it there's still that reality check you know of what have yeah. we done it was easier yeah, before when we didn't have answers an, there's not always an easy answer sometimes change is hard <laughs> yes absolutely um, you know, it's interesting as y'all are talking and I'm thinking about the number of clients that um, I've seen, not necessarily ours, but companies where they, they hire a market research firm, they get the research and then they get lost in that, that cloud of data, like y'all were just saying. But then the next part happens, which it's like a train, a slow moving train accident where they think they can interpret the information in a perfectly positive, glowing way about themselves. And then um, any outliers or anybody who maybe was somehow um, providing some constructive criticism of the company, they're crazy. Um, and then the company just dives right in doing the exact complete and total opposite of what the numbers are actually telling them they should be doing. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. And again, that's like one of those political minefields of how do you, <laughs> like, um, you know, and, and, I'll say the reality is sometimes there's only so much you can do. <laughs> right. Um, clients are going to do what they want to do sometimes. And you can give your advice, but um, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's their decisions to make sometimes. So I um, we have that conversation a lot internally. It's like at the end of the day, we've we've told them we've explained it. We've provided additional resources. They still don't see it the way that maybe they could or should three times three strikes you're out so it's their money their company their choice go with god <laughs> good luck i try to say in the least sarcastic way possible good luck to right. you um so what are you reading right now i mean I, I know that you recently read measure anything what's on your bookshelf what podcast are you listening to what do you do to stay learning yeah um i have just started picking up, I've been reading a distribution first podcast, because I think that that is, um, at least for my role in content. And, you know, I do a lot of the research purpose for me is to produce content. Um, and I think the distribution piece is a real struggle. So just trying to see what I can learn there to kind of um, help my clients more and think more about that distribution piece right from the get go. So I've been enjoying that one. Um, and I am reading a content marketing. I'm looking over high impact content marketing. Um, was recommended by um, somebody I follow on LinkedIn. So I picked that up and am working my way through that as well. Um, I also, you know, as a, as a business owner, I also love just reading kind of general business books um, and anything like Profit First on how to manage your money. And there's just so many hats you have to wear. So I'm always educating myself on every single part of it from yeah. the client side to the internal side. <laughs> Jackie has never met a business book she has not liked or a marketing book. That's how I learn stuff. I know, but you go through them like crazy. Like there's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Cocktail, Becky. I'm not. Uh -uh. Okay, it's from the 80s and you should go watch it because it's great. 
It's completely non-related to this topic. Do not think he's sending you off in search of true wisdom. It's no, Tom Cruise. No, I, I know his... exactly what a movie from the eighties means. I'm not thinking okay. that. It's All right. Gonna... I just like anyone listening. Don't take this as business advice. Like, no. Holy cow. Not at all. No, but I mean, how many times have we referenced cocktail on these calls? I mean, it always More comes than you up. You should be able to admit. I know it's true, but then you can learn a lot from cocktail, the movie. It is great. But um, anyway, young uh, McGuire is McGuire, right? No, but keep McGuire. going. Oh God, what is his name now? It's not the point. Anyway, it's Jerry McGuire, but <laughs> no, no, no. That's exactly it's what you're thinking of. McLaughlin, McLaughlin, something. Oh, now nope. I'm going to kill myself. Anyway, yep. they, um, he, um, he is a just out of school, and um, he wants to go be a businessman, and he ends up being a bartender, and he goes down to um, Jamaica and all this other stuff. And his bartender friend comes up. He's the Irish one with a funny name. Anyway, he comes up and he says, I bet there's a business book underneath the bar, and it reaches under, and there's a business book. It, it's the inside joke, but the whole idea is that he's always got a book, and Jackie's the same way. She always has a business book handy somewhere on her nightstand or whatever. It's just part of her routine. I'm right with Jackie. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm always like, why doesn't the library have more business books? They need to expand right. their thing. I got to go on Amazon and buy them. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I love them. Um, you know, first of all, to set Michael straight, it's young Flanagan is Tom's character. And Coughlin is the Coughlin. second lead who's the owner yeah, of the I bar. just butchered that whole thing. I just, I so got badly. <laughs> so badly. I started I telling the story. No, and I realized halfway through, like, I don't know how to get out of this now. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm pandering, but I have to finish it. So I'm going to go ahead and just plug through. Well, and that maybe is a story that shouldn't have been started if it can't have a finish. That's all I'm saying. All right. Meanwhile, um, uh, he is so right, though, because I'm looking, um, you know, I have him on my bookshelf, which if I tilt my computer, my, my, see. Yeah, I can see that stat. <laughs> exactly. um, but now I've had to make the transition to the the books I love, so they're on the shelf, so I have them forever. But the iPad that I now carry around with me, so that I can carry five or six with me at a time. And so right now, it's emotional intelligence, um, measure this, and first things first. Those are like the ones I'm I'm wading through at the moment. Awesome. I mean, they're great books, and everybody should be reading business books. Yeah, I totally awesome. agree. <laughs> I mean, if you're in business, you know, it's kind of how it goes. Um, how about podcasts? Are you a podcast listener? Um, yeah, like I said, I've been listening to that distribution first one. Um, right. Sometimes I'm listening again to like some agency, like, you know, how to run and scale your agency. Cause I just, you know, over the last couple of years kind of moved into from freelancer to agency mode. So thinking a lot about those. Um, and then there's, um, several kind of just B2B, um, content marketing ones that I listen to. And, and sometimes I'm just, I'm kind of a scroller where I'm like, Oh, it's not that I'm like a regular listener of one podcast per se, but like that topic, that podcast right there, then I'm looking at another one. So, um, and I think also I'm really also productivity and some of those mindset ones, um, which I think all again, kind of come together in how you run your business and how you succeed right. as a creative. And um, so. No, that makes sense. You know, I look at um, our kind of client landscape and it's mid-sized to large companies. We've been around for a couple of decades. So that's kind of the what we've grown into. Uh, but I, I never want to exclude the small businesses because I feel like we don't pay enough attention to them. They don't have big enough budgets. There's always something out there for them. So what research tools or um, opportunities to gather data do you recommend for those smaller businesses that maybe don't have the budget to go hire a, a legit research firm, uh, but they need more information? 
Well, I think that everybody should just be surveying their customers um, or their email list or whatever. I mean, what I say is like, just dabble in it. Start like it's that idea of just start somewhere and try something. So, you know, okay. I, I mean, I went off on like survey design, but just go ahead and write a survey, put it out there, use SurveyMonkey, whatever tool is easy for you, um, you know, and try one and see what responses you get back and begin to learn from the process, begin to tweak um, and, you know, begin to start, like in my case, again, like I'm content motivated. So start to see where you can use some of those um, survey data points in your in your content, whether that's a report and an ebook or whether that's social media and just get started and uh, learn through the process. Um, no, exactly. I think, I think that's exactly it. And what I find they just get handcuffed because they don't think that they have enough to do enough. And I'm thinking, just take the first step. I mean, the worst case is you try it and you didn't get enough responses or you, what you got back, you don't really feel like is usable. It didn't end up being interesting. So then just like any experiment, you're like, okay, so what, what went wrong? What would I do differently? Try again. <laughs> and in the process, you know, like you said, like there are books out there, there are folks out there writing about this. There are, you know, like um, get in touch with people and, and try to just learn more in the space. Right. No, absolutely. To be, absolutely. To be clear, I asked that exact same question about 10 minutes ago, and you just said it better than me. I'm not going to lie about that, but I think you stole my question. I think you tried to re you kind of <laughs> leaned in and talked into the mic, so it sounded better, but. Yes. Well, I thought, I guess in yours, I thought you, they still wanted to maybe, you know, have enough resources to use somebody. And with Jackie's, I thought I was like, we don't have any budget. We got to do Becky, this. Oh, Becky, do? don't, don't cover for her, <laughs> Becky. She literally stole my question. No, actually, I took your question and I reworded it to get a better answer because my question was more detailed. Look, Michael, it's not a competition. I've already won. I'm, I'm going to let you two sort that out. In, uh, exactly. 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 <laughs> wise. Very wise. I heard um, some members of the team, my office is right off the kitchen, and they were shooting like a little uh, social media video questionnaire thing. And um, my door was closed. And I don't know if they knew I was in here or not. But at one point, it's a this or that. You know, do you like this typeface or that typeface? Do you this snack or that snack? And the question was Michael or Jackie? And I thought, <laughs> oh, and the answer was, I would prefer not to answer that. And I thought, wise. Wise answer. <laughs> so smart. So smart. Becky, I know that we're we're, we're approaching the end and I don't want to be uh, unkind uh, to the generosity of time that you have given us. So what parting words would you leave with someone? Um, tip, piece of advice, how to contact you, Anything and everything that you want to leave them with a last thought if they've made it this long? Yeah, um, just that research is 100% worth the time and the cost. Um, whatever your reason for doing it, whether that's branding, whether that's just you know product development, market research, or content marketing, you will get the return on the investment if it's if you do it right. And I, if you have not been investing in research, I just cannot encourage you enough to add that to your um, marketing strategies that you need to be employing in some manner in your organization. Um, and then if you're looking to do research for like content marketing um, and you would love to work with me, because I'd probably love to work with you, um, you can reach me at redpointcontent.com um, or I'm on LinkedIn, Becky Lawler. <laughs> so Perfect. That's exactly what we needed. Becky, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. 
Thank you. It was really great to be here and it was fun um, talking with you both. Awesome. And thank you to everyone listening. Um, as always, please like and share and subscribe and tell your friends and come back for more. Thanks, y'all. Through.